Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. A little over three years ago, I published on this self-same podcast a conversation with my wife, Cheryl Janice. That's episode eight of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. At that time, Cheryl had just made the decision to specialize. And so we talked about that decision, how she arrived at the decision, some of the fears that were really up for her as a part of making that decision, and that kind of thing. It was a really interesting conversation. In fact, I think it might be one of the most commented upon episodes of this podcast, meaning especially not long after I published it, I got a lot of really great positive comments about that. Today... I'm going to play you a conversation I had with Cheryl that I recorded just last week. So this is a very recent conversation, and it represents about a three-year time difference. I'm really interested and excited when I get an opportunity to have a conversation like this with someone who has specialized at some point in the past, and they've gotten through a few years of operating as a specialist. That's interesting to me and hopefully to you, because you should know that this specializing thing is not a magic bullet. It is, for most people, not actually all that easy, even though it's quite simple. And it's not something that produces dramatic overnight changes, except there's some changes that happen inside you, in your mind, in your emotions, as a result of specializing. Those changes can happen instantaneously. So, you know, people report to me this sort of new feeling of clarity and confidence that comes as a result of making this decision. That happens very quickly, but things like lead generation or starting to develop a reputation based on your specialization, all that stuff for most people takes time, and that time is best measured in years rather than months, weeks, or days. To me, there's nothing wrong with this because I think some of the most important changes that we make, the decision can happen very quickly, but the result of those changes requires follow through, or sorry, the result of that decision, meaning the visible evidence of the change requires follow through and time. So to me, that makes specialization no different than any other uh, significant, important decision you might make about your business. On its own, it's not adequate it has to be backed up with follow through and commitment and discipline and a significant enough amount of time for the results to manifest. So again, that's why I really like these conversations where, um, you know, in terms of sociology, you might think of it as a longitudinal study where you're tracking a group of people over time. In this case, I'm trying to follow up with folks I've already had conversations with on this podcast to check in on their progress and allow you to hear in their own words what it's like and what challenges are resolved by deciding to specialize and what new challenges are created and how those challenges are subsequently resolved. To me, that's, that's all part of using this podcast as a, as a way to shed, shed light on what specialization looks like, both the benefits and the things that are difficult and all of that stuff. So I think you'll see some of that coming out in my conversation with Cheryl. 
I got a little exuberant about an opportunity that has come her way as a result of specialization that she can't talk about in detail yet. So a little bit towards the end, I'll, I'll edit that out. That's a bit rare for these conversations. But again, I just got a little bit ahead of myself and was asking her some questions about something that she's not at liberty, liberty to talk about yet. So you may pick up on that edit as a little bit of discontinuity in the conversation. Apologies for that, but that's why uh, that was done. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with my wife and specialized interior designer, Cheryl Janice. Cheryl Janice Oris Rex, welcome to the program. I am so excited to be back, Philip. It's been way too long. It has been a while. Episode eight is the last time we've spoken on this podcast. That was, what, over three years ago? You were doing the math. You're better at that than me. Yeah. Three years ago, December 2014. 2014. I think you published it in May, though. We probably recorded super, it earlier super happy that year. To be here. Yeah, so this is one of the, those kinds of episodes I really like doing, which is a let's let's talk about what's happened on your specialization and positioning journey. Doesn't Oprah have that where she, you know, she has, goes back to old guests? Yes. What's happened in the last fill in the blank years? I don't know. <laughs> I was reading a news story about this author who got disinvited to be on the Oprah show. Why? And it was pretty bad for his well, career. I bet. They they said, don't mess with Oprah. Well, in that case, I'm very happy to be back, and it speaks volumes to my career. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's see if we can. I'm hoping folks who haven't heard that interview will listen to it. You were, at the time just on the far side of having made a decision about how to specialize. Yes. Like, and things have happened since then. Um, there have been ups and downs. So I think it's going to be interesting for folks to hear what's happened. But do you, do you remember back then in late 2014, early 2015, what had you decided was going to be how you, you know, specialized, how you focused? So I had been in the field of interior design as a generalist, generalist interior designer for, you know, well, now it's been 15 years if I total everything, but at that time, you know, minus the last three years, years or something about, yeah. yeah. So I had just been, I had just decided that I was going to solely specializing, specialize in designing healthcare spaces, not hospitals, not, you know, those large buildings, large medical buildings, but the smaller, you know, dental office, medical office, chiropractic office, psychotherapist office, healer, you know, Reiki practitioner's office, that kind of thing. I like to call it boutique healthcare. And I was struggling when I came on your show with the fear of positioning there was a lot of that up. We talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. And I no longer have that in this moment. <laughs> how, how long did it take <laughs> for the fear to go away? Mm, I don't quite remember because it's, it's, a, it's not a linear process at all. Yeah. I mean, it's very much an organic, you know, I have really, really awesome days. And then other days, you know, I, I can sink back into it. But when you, 
you know, having specialized and then having seen some of the progress working with clients, when I had those fears and those doubts, I was able to kind of just be with it instead of, you know, throwing my whole career in the trash and trying to find a job. <laughs> Do you remember when you maybe got your first client who was responding to this new specialization, meaning they were like, we want to talk about working with you because you're focused on businesses just like ours. Yes, I do remember that. Oh, tell, tell the folks at home what that was like. Well, first, let me just preface it with, you know, I didn't just go on your show and then all of a sudden the magic, this sort of magic bullet happened. It definitely was a process. And I'd say this year, 2018, I've really started shining brighter and feeling more anchored in my business in a way that I haven't before. And that is definitely because in a big part and kind of the foundation was with specializing. So after I started to specialize, you know, really deciding, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just work with these types of clients and not restaurant owners or commercial office owners or, you know, homes or residences. I went through a period of having to say no to those kind of scragglers Mm -hmm. that came in. And so, you know, I get a call here and there, you know, from someone who, for example, was wanted to hire me to help them with the colors of their home. And I had to say no to that. And it was really important that I said no. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen all the time. I mean, once in a while I'd say yes, because I'd be worried about the financial situation. What am I doing? It didn't last long though. And I started to just specialize in working with, you know, healthcare, healthcare professionals, meaning that, you know, those people that were coming in that weren't a good fit, it took them a little bit, but they ended up, you know, falling off. So that was good. And then, yes, there was something very rewarding to me about just saying that I specialize in helping healthcare professionals. And so when I would speak to a healthcare professional, there was this confidence that I noticed they had in me, you know, finding someone who just serviced them. And so that was, so I'm trying to remember, I I actually can't remember the first client I had, you know, like this, because there was a lot of, there's so much that's happened in three years. And honestly, I just can't remember. Yeah, sure. But you remember how it was different than the generalist client. Yeah. I mean, I had an, I had an array of, you know, healthcare professionals like dentists and, and beauty business owners and, and, and different, you know, chiropractors with small clinics and different things. Okay. I'm remembering now. Oh, I you do got remember. It. Okay. I knew if I kept you talking, you remember. remember. I had a client <laughs> so that first client that... in Marin County, which is here in the North Bay of San Francisco. And I was really super nervous and I went for a meeting and I kind of didn't know, I didn't like have all my, you know, nuts and bolts tightened in terms Mm -hmm. of my pitch, which it Mm -hmm. wasn't really a pitch, just, you know, talking about, talking about my specialization, but he, he hired me Mm -hmm. and I, and it was great. I went through a process of kind of figuring out my own process and protocol. And that's the beauty of specializing to me. One of the gifts is that it helped me 
simplify things. It helped me take, take um, the static or the noise or the disruptions that were keeping me from really doing what I love, which is this. And even though, you know, I had to kind of work with him with pricing a little bit and, and kind of figure things out with, with his personality and my personality, it was just such a gift because I saw this, it's kind of hard to say in words, you know, it was this feeling, it was more Mm. of this confidence that I saw, I saw that I could do it in him or in, or in you or In, in me. Okay. I mean, he certainly, you know, he was confident in me. I mean, he loved yeah. my work and everything. It was sort of me projecting, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do now? I got the client, oh my God. So it turned out really well. Yeah. And I was able to use that as a case study. So I was able to photograph the space afterwards. I was able to follow up in six months and see what changes had been made, what patients were saying, how they enjoyed the space and that kind of thing. And that started, that was the beginning of, you know, building case studies from being a specialist because I always had thought, I always thought that in order to do a case study, you had to follow a certain like academic protocol. Yeah. So this was my own process and I loved it and I felt really good about it after specializing. Yeah. For the folks at home, when you say case study, what, what, what exactly do you mean? I mean, looking at the environment before I came in. So it was kind of like this white walled, you know, health, typical medical space for a naturopathic physician and what, and, and, you know, photographing it afterwards and then just asking questions to the staff, the nurse, the nurses and the the staff and, and also the doctor about what changes have been made and what I have been, what I had been finding when I was a generalist working still with healthcare professionals, but everything else is that I get these responses, but it didn't feel as tight and as significant as it did when I was solely working with healthcare professionals. And those responses were, Oh, wow. I love the space. You know, patients are feeling better here. They're coming back. And the biggest thing for me was that, you know, referral business was sometimes doubling and tripling and, you know, at least, you know, increasing by 40%, which I found over time as an Mm -hmm. average. So I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I'm onto something. (laughs) So in your case studies, there's a little bit of maybe like a story element, but you're also looking for results that you can talk about in terms of numbers, right? Evidence that shows evidence I can use consistently to show future uh, leads and clients, how this, how that how by redesigning your space in a way that doesn't feel clinical and sterile can actually benefit not just the patients themselves because of course you know who doesn't like going into a beautiful space but also or and also is you know affects the bottom line in a really tangible way so for me it was important to to build that piece yeah you talked about simplification as a part of the journey after deciding how to specialize. What's the first thing that you decided to not do? And what was it like to, like, I I remember you started, you said you started saying no to clients who were maybe like residential prospective clients or really outside of the specialization. So there was that, but then, you know, on top of that, what's the first thing where you were like really excited to say no about 
maybe it was a service or a type of client or really just anything. Yes. I think that it had to do with, uh, money and, and pricing. And so I was saying no to low prices and I was finally feeling into, and it was kind of a, it was a struggle. I mean, to be honest, I think we all have this where, you know, when it comes to be, when it comes that time to putting a dollar value on your services, there's always like this feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, Oh my God, Oh my God, you know, am I charging too much? Are they not going to hire me? And specializing helped me say no to the lower prices and go, okay, you know what? I'm specializing and I'm, I'm worth it. And I'm going to charge this amount. So I said no to that. And that, that helped clear the table of really nitpicky, um, kvetchy, cranky, you know, (laughs) cheap. I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, clients who would literally, you know, text me all the time and want me to service them in a way that didn't feel good to me. It didn't feel respectful. It didn't feel like it had a boundary. And so really when I said yes to boundaries and yes to wanting more money, I was saying no to a certain type of person who I just wasn't aligned with. There's someone else out there who's perfectly aligned with that for them and can service them much better than I can. And so that was, that was something I said yes and no to for sure. I'm remembering a particular client who was a very nice person who was texting you. It must've been five, 10 times a day with little, right. Tiny specific questions. And literally I have zero of that now. I mean, I, and I celebrate that. It is such a beautiful thing. I mean, wow. Yeah. So that might be an interesting data point for the folks at home. So your services have become more profitable. I think we'll get to that. Um, But also uh, just your rate in terms of a number, because you have some services where there is no rate. There's like not an hourly component. You're just charging a fixed price. And then you have some other sort of hourly consulting things. So what was the rate, you know, late 2014, early 2015? And what is it now? Then it was about, I think it was $150 an hour. And now it's $425 an hour. Yeah. Which feels really good. Now that's just comparing apples to apples, like an, on an hourly basis, I also offer packages, which, right. you know, there's no rate. There's more value. There's yeah. no rate. Yeah. 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 We'll get, I think we'll get to that. I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to getting to that. So, okay. So big jump in rate. I, I don't know if that's two or three times exactly, but really significant jump right. in rate. Okay. It, and it didn't just happen all at once. Like I didn't just go one day and wake up in the morning. I'm going to charge $425 an hour. <laughs> it was a process. It yeah. was a process of, of going up slowly over time. But then finally getting to 425 was like, yes. And then people saying yes to that. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's about knowing it really, it's about stepping into my value and my own worth. And that has been, that would not have happened as easily for me had it not been for the specialization, because in generalization, there's always going to be something that I'm not great at or as good at as the thing that I specialize in, which is the thing that I love. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's important that I, it was important that I specialize for just my confidence in that. And then of course that builds upon all these other things like raising your rates. So this, I think I'm imagining folks at home listening and this is sounding like a sales pitch. So this is the perfect time to talk about the things that were not easy or not wonderful. So there were some times, I think, where you doubted, is this really you know, the right way or? Right. No, for sure. I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're, you're my beloved. I mean, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm sort of as interviewer pretending not to know <laughs> <laughs> for the benefit of the, the audience, but. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there was so I, much I fear. Yeah. There was a lot of times of that. So what's a memorable time for you of thinking, eh, I don't know, was this really the right decision? I never really doubted that it, that it wasn't the right decision in that way, because okay. when I specialized in this, I did it because it was what I really wanted, what yeah. I really preferred in the field that I'm in. Right. So that was kind of a no brainer. I mean, it was all about the money. It was, you know, it was all about the fear and the money mindset of okay, you're saying scarcity. You, and... you did, did not really doubt the decision, but no. the 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 hard parts were around changing your mindset around money. Yes, because I was afraid that if I specialized, that I wouldn't the cookie jar wouldn't be wide enough or deep <laughs> enough or whatever. No, no. Okay, maybe what I'm actually thinking is the sort of lead generation ups and downs. So let's talk about that because I, I think maybe, yeah, okay. I, I'm getting, I'm getting the sense that you never doubted the decision to specialize. It was implementation afterwards, you know, right? Figuring exactly. out how to generate leads. So what did? Let's talk about your website to start with because that's a place that you've always worked really hard to make sure your website reflects your positioning, but also how you feel about your business and what you're trying to emphasize and all of that. So if folks went and looked at your website in late 2014, early 2015, and looked at it now, what kind of differences would they see? Oh, so much. But I think, I think the main thing to say here is that I was really overly focused, like a lot of folks on how my website looked. And as soon as I started specializing and I created a free I don't know how long after that I created a free five day email course mm -hmm. and was really, and I was coached by you. I'll just say that here, of course. Right. Sure. And once I sort of got on board with this idea of, okay, I want to funnel these people. I want it into my ecosystem by getting them onto my list, which means giving them a nice, valuable, something free, an email course, which, uh, engages them. Everything else sort of, I mean, of course I have a beautiful website and you know, it's important to me. I'm a designer, I'm an artist and, but, but, but I just started to simplify. And so I, I started to take things off of my website, have less pages. What, what maybe was, if you remember, what was maybe the first thing you took off or what kinds of things did you take just off? Just like the big pictures on the, on the homepage. Uh -huh. Things that I learned learned were distractions from what I really wanted, which was to get people who were so, so 
inundated with internet uh-huh. and it's just ridiculous how much information people are getting fed in every second. Yeah. I wanted to get them really focused. You know, I'm specializing, I'm focused. I want my website to focus. Okay. And so what happened in the simplification is that my positioning statement got more sim- got simpler. Okay. It was simplified and my website became more simplified. And then I was like, then at that point I was experimenting with different processes, you know, of, of, of offerings, mm-hmm. you know, of services. Right. Okay. So simplification, simplification on the website, you started thinking of it more as a thing that helps move people from one place to another or a, a moving sort of a machine, right? Yeah, I guess you could call it that. What would you call it? I would call it a being. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it definitely, that definitely, it definitely simplified things. And it was something that really helped because once I had that, you know, call to action on the homepage and just little anything else, people started signing up to my, to my email course and then getting on my list and in my ecosystem. And then I was able to right for a while i did daily emails monday through mm-hmm. friday for about how long for about a year okay and that really helped uh me practice writing and also build a relationship with my i call them my tribe yeah <laughs> and that was really helpful too then later you know when i wrote, wrote a couple books to be able to 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 put that all together in this sequence. So they come to the website and very specialized, simplified, focused, minimal. They come to the website, they get on my, you know, they, they get on the, uh, they sign up for the free email course and then they get that free email course, which then I just was a real, I put a lot into that, but it was enjoyable because I enjoy what I do now. I don't have to do people's homes. I can really focus on what I love. Mm-hmm. And then offering them at the end of that, you know, tacking on that piece of offering them that sequence Mm -hmm. where they get a 30% discount on the book. And so suddenly I'm seeing, I'm seeing the flow in this in a whole different way. And I don't have to hire an assistant, all of this because I'm specializing. So I feel like specializing was like the foundation of the house that I built or the yeah, all right. You know. So what other things did you try for lead generation, for, you know, getting the interest of people who might want to join your list or might want to hire right. you even? Well, I'm an introvert and I really didn't want to have to go out and travel to different conferences. It just really didn't appeal to me in any way, shape or form. And I wanted to honor that. So I spent about a year, all of pretty much all of 2017 and part of 2016 just doing the podcast circuit, getting on podcasts Mm -hmm. and talking to people and talking to people. Cause as an introvert for me, I enjoy the one-on-one conversations. Yeah. So, you know, I just, again, I reached out to people and, 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 and got on people's podcasts. And then that time was amazing because that on itself is such big content marketing for me because it just sits out there. Yeah. And then from that, I started getting, 
you know, oh, in the wait, beginning. Wait, wait, hold on. So how how many podcasts have you been on, do you think? I think about 20. Okay. I think I remember the first yes you Yours got from a podcast. One. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was pretty easy. <laughs> I think I asked for a neck rub in exchange. Oh, that's so easy. <laughs> I think I remember the first yes you got from someone who wasn't me who had a podcast. And oh, it was so exciting. I think I remember you. I, this disbelief is not the right word, but I think there was an element of you're like, oh my gosh, wait, this really can happen. You because you reached out to this stranger, there was no referral, Mm-mm. there was no, um, you know, there was no like inside track you had other than, well, other than being specialized in the space, right? What was the first podcast you, you guessed it on? I, th- I believe it was Concierge Medicine Today, okay, which is a podcast for concierge medicine doctors. And shortly after that, I was on a dentalpreneur podcast with right. Mark Costas and it was so fun. I mean, it was just a blast because, and yes, I had a ton of disbelief. I was, I was freaking out going, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, I got on this podcast. (laughs) And again, that same like simplification, I feel like this, I feel like positioning and my process has been more of a a very Zen, a very Zen learning for me Uh because it's like the simpler, the easier it is, the simpler, the email, the simpler, the positioning statement, the more focused, the easier it is, I think on the brain to receive these things, to be able to hear them. So I was following your advice one time when I reached out to, I think, you know, a podcast, Mark Costas, I think, and I wrote him one sentence, you know, are you the right person to contact to be on your podcast? It wasn't like this huge thing and overthought. And so many of us just want to like write a book to people because we think that's going to be more effective if they know us. And I feel like that's like parallel to the generalists. Like you're just like, you know, full of all this information and you're trying to service everybody and it's overwhelming. So that totally worked. Um, not what I just said, but the other thing when I, when I just wrote one sentence and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they just wrote right back. I mean, this is somebody who has like 11 dental practices and, you know, he's traveling the world and he's just like super cool and super busy and it was a great podcast and it, it was super fun. And I had a, I had a great result. Oh, wait. So, so you're, now you're talking about, um, dental town. Yeah. Dental town and concierge yeah. medicine today too. Yeah. Uh, Michael okay. Tetrielt was so fun to talk to. I've been on his podcast a couple of times and yeah. it's, it's a fun subject for me, right? That's why I specialize in it. I love it. I love talking about it. Okay. So you one of your lead generation, I mean, a pretty successful experiment, I think, was podcast guesting. What else did you try in terms of lead generation? I'm struggling to remember if there was anything else. Not much. I mean, oh, I, I started my own podcast. Okay, we'll get too. to that in a minute. Um, you know, here and there on social media, but I'm just not in, I'm not really that into social media. Right. Um, and then, you know, once I started getting people on my list, so there was, as the podcast grew, there were all these backlinks, I think that helped mm-hmm. well, increase your, your my podcast you're talking about. Um, no, when I was on podcast, oh, when you were guesting, when I was guesting on right. podcast, they would link back to my mm-hmm. website and then 
right after the podcast, I would get like a surge of people and yeah. they would sign up to my list and my list was growing. And so I was marketing to my, to my growing list and it, it grew slowly, Yeah, but it grew steadily. Right. So you've, and it's still growing published at Yes, it is. You've published it at various frequencies to your list. You did weekly, you've done daily, which was what, five days a week or seven days a five. week? Yeah. And, and I also podcasted five days a week. Oh, right. You did a daily podcast. So <laughs> we'll get to that. Because that fits under the lead generation umbrella. But that's a thing that you created and built yourself. Yes. I mean, yes, with a, with a sort of uh, partner on the, on the daily podcast. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So I just want folks to have a, a really good picture of what your life has been like post-specialization. So guesting on podcasts, I think I remember you being pretty nervous the first time, but now I would tell anybody that you're, you're quite comfortable with it. Yes, I am. Um, so that's been just a very great sort of growth and transition to see. Um, I think I remember you, you've tried like little, I don't want to say oddball things, but just you've tried things to try them like, Hey, we're doing this conference for healthcare providers. You can stick a flyer in our gift bag yes. that we're giving away. I mean, that's technically yes. lead generation. Mm -hmm. I have done things in, in IRL. Yeah. Like so that. you've tried uh, some things here or there and, and I'm not like being dismissive. I'm just saying, it seems to me that the podcast guesting has been the main vehicle for generating interest for your services. By far. And what's so amazing to me about podcast guesting on these highly specialized podcasts is, is that I'll get these inquiries, you know, sometimes six months to a year later for a very, very large project. For right. example, I got someone in China, you know, somebody who is in the Bay Area, a physician who's Chinese, who was part of this committee of people who are, who are building a, a hospital in China, you know, on this island, on this, off of the coast of Shanghai. It didn't, it didn't work out and I didn't take the project and they're still working on it, but this person contacted me and we have now, we've built a relationship and I'm, I was able to refer out, you know, some of the evidence-based artists who I like to support, you know, who can be part of this. And so it's, it's like, I don't, you know, it, I guess it really just depends on what really feels right for you, but this really felt right for me. And what I'm saying is that I had lots of people coming to me and some of them turned in people who turned into clients, leads and prospects who turned into clients through these podcasting. And I recently, I went on a podcast last year and someone saw me on that and they've approached me with an idea that I am, that I said yes to that is going to take my work even further in, in ways that I couldn't have even imagined. So we're going to put a pin in that one for later. That's, <laughs> I think, be, I mean, later in, in this episode, I think that's going to be really fun for it, folks. It feels it, to me, it feels, to be honest, it feels like there that when you specialize, it's very magical and it's very tuned into kind of your gift and, you know, and my gift and what I really felt in my gut was, was what I really wanted to be doing. Not what 
not what my mind was telling me I should be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be the last person to downplay the benefits of specialization, but I just want the folks at home to have the context that we're talking about three, almost three years worth of events and hard work that Cheryl has done and, you know, decisions about how to spend her time and energy generating leads and all of that. It's like when you compress it into a, I don't know, 45 or 60 minute conversation, it, it sounds like, oh, wow, that's, that's easy. It's simple. I'm not sure it's easy because the not easy part is showing up every day and doing the work. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is simple. And in some ways it's a lot easier than when you, the solopreneur, um, tries to, tries to do too much. So on the day-to-day basis in terms of not feeling less overwhelmed, I think it's, when I say simpler, it, it does become simpler when you just don't overwhelm yourself. And I have friends who are solopreneurs who can't move forward. And this may be you too, because you're so stuck in how am I going to do this and how's it going to happen? And when you specialize, you're able to take the, you're able to break it down in smaller steps and it becomes doable, right? You can't build a house by thinking about all the different pieces and parts all at once, if you've never done that before and expect you to really do it, you know, to really follow through with it. But what happens if you just think about each piece of it and how that's going to go in? And so first you talk about, you know, you think about specializing and then the next piece and the next piece. So that's what I mean by simpler. It's not, I think doing your own business and, you know, being an entrepreneur, solopreneur, it's just, it's, it's not easy. I wouldn't say it certainly has its rewards. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't want to say that it was, it's so easy as I think is what you're, what you're getting at, right? That simpler is, is not exactly easier. Yeah. Yeah. Simple and easy are not the same things, but simple is good. And simple I mean, is good. I mean, I yeah. really think it's the mindset too. It's the fear. It's the inside work and then it's patience and allowing this process, right? Because, you know, it's like the way that the way that, that the, the seasons are in the trees and the flowers and everybody, everything has its, yeah, it's, it's process. Turn, turn, turn. Okay. So you started a podcast. I did. Let's talk about that. Oh, that was awesome. So, so what, what was it called? And when, about when did you start and Let's see. It's called, it's still going. I'm in the second season. It's a little bit slower. Uh, A friend of mine, Rhea Mater in, um, near Wichita, Kansas Mm -hmm. is, does what I, does what I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a little bit different. She focuses on senior living facilities and, and, uh, you know, some other things. She's also a specialized interior designer. She's pretty specialized, although she does some residential work, but she's pretty Mm -hmm. specialized and we Mm -hmm. just really hit it off. I think this was 2017, I think early 2017, but I could be totally and completely wrong about that. But Mm. I think it was, sounds about right. We just decided we were just feeling super motivated and we started just having conversations every single day about healthcare design and putting those out 
and it was five days a week and it was, it was so great. It, it was, <laughs> it was fun. And then of course we burnt out on that after like 65 episodes, <laughs> we just went, whew. And it was, it really wasn't sustainable at all, but it was so fun and it still stands. And, and, you know, people who can't afford us or who just aren't quite there yet, healthcare professionals of all, you know, all walks of life, they can go on there and, and just binge listen to all the tips and all the things. And there's a, a ton of value. We got a, we got great feedback. It was really good for us. Yeah. You have evidence that people actually do that. Like sometimes they write you and say things like I've listened to every episode of your podcast. They do. They do. And it's really, it's a great feeling when you have list engagement and it's really not about quantity I've realized. Cause I, I think we sometimes get stuck, stuck in that loop of like, gotta have the numbers of the list, you know, gotta have a lot of people on my list and gotta have like tons of engagement. And actually, if you just look at that over time, it's, it's quite impressive. And I know you, you know, you, you've had these experiences too, where you've been able to track your engagement. And so, yes, you're, yes. I have people who write me and just like, Oh my God, I love your podcast. And we had tons of great reviews on iTunes and and then now I'm in season two and Rhea has, you know, she's doing her own podcast now and yeah. she's doing such a phenomenal job at it. And I think it's in part because of this, this very specific thing we did. You guys went to podcast and boot camp. Together. <laughs> we went to podcast boot camp. That's funny. I, I Rhea, know, would, Rhea, you'll laugh if you're listening. I know some folks who um, pay attention to what I'd say about publishing at high frequency will think that I talked you into trying the daily podcast thing or publishing five days a week, but I'm pretty sure that was actually your idea. Yes. I mean, it was, it I was, was totally shocked when you, you were, I think you, you were, you, to, you were taking a break on podcasting then <laughs> <laughs> and we were like just fired up. And yeah. so now I'm on season two of the wellness design yeah. podcast. And you now slowed I slowed down the publication. Frequency. I slowed down the publication cause I got really burnt out. Yeah. And now I interview people who are, you know, wonderful for my audience and provide a lot of value, interesting things. So, okay. So I wanted to dig a little more into this, uh, simplification theme as it pertains to your service offerings. So we've talked about how your website became more simple. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about how you were able to start saying no to clients where the work was just not all that interesting to you anymore. Your service offerings have changed. Though. They have. I think even maybe a year ago, I remember like you asking for some feedback from me on a proposal or something. So you were doing sort of talk to the prospective client create a proposal and do custom something custom for them maybe even as recently as a year ago, but now things look real different in your service lineup. So I'm hoping you can talk about that a little bit. Well, again, it, there was a lot of resistance I had and as software developers or anybody as a solopreneur, you can probably understand this. I had a lot of resistance to establishing a, interior design firm, which interior design firms, regardless of their healthcare interior design firms or just generalist interior design firms or whatever, they, you know, 
they take on really huge projects and it's just so much stress. And I definitely didn't want to do that. And so there's a process of designing the space and working with contractors and vendors and architects and having employees. And it just becomes so big. And I knew for myself anyway that I didn't want to do that. And so there was this kind of like push-pull of how much, you know, what kind of service can I offer? So I had to work through that. So can you dig into that a little more? I'm not sure everyone at home will understand all the details. So there's like, I mean, it's not that different, I guess, in the world of software, there's a sort of design architectural phase, and then there's building the software. And you wanted that you're not folks know you're not a software developer, but you wanted to sort of steer clear of the implementation phase, right? Or you wanted to limit your involvement there? Yes, I wanted to. First of all, I, I like servicing healthcare professionals that don't, that aren't local, and so there's there's this piece of how can I service them, which was a big problem and dilemma for me. How can I service them in Canada and in in on the East Coast? I'm in California, right, or in other parts of the world without me having to travel there. They're usually under a budget, and you know how can I set myself apart from from them? So. I just had to, you know, buy the right CAD program and figure all that out. So in the last year, I did figure all that out. So what, what, what would you like to know about that process? So, yeah. So I, I hope folks are getting a sense that there was this kind of struggle of like, I want to be involved where I create the most value, which I think you would say is the visioning you know, creating the design, thinking about what your client needs and translating their vision into something that is not terrible. Because <laughs> a lot of people, when they DIY a design, they just, they don't know all the things to think about. Well, yeah. But, so you wanted to do that, but without mm-hmm. like, I can't be there to tell you, you know, to tell your contractor exactly what to do in this situation. I can't supervise the implementation. Right. So there's this excitement about being a specialist in what I do. Take me, for example. And I'm hearing about all these cool things that are happening in the, in the world of healthcare design and how, you know, what millennials want and what boomers want and how it's being married with, you know, the hospitality industry. And so there's this kind of movement that's been happening And I wanted to be able to take that and create a space, a waiting room, for example, because I specialize in waiting rooms, that it has such it has this big impact to the patients that go in there. So it's like calming colors and beautiful artwork and comfortable spaces. And it also appeals to what's happening in in the industry in the same way there's, there might be new things that are happening in your industry. So I think there's new things, new and exciting things that are happening in a lot of industries. So taking that and being able to, being able to, to, to present that. So I had to get like a visual program. The artist part of me needed to get a program. So I did that where I could actually go in and plug in all the measurements and build the, 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 you know, the room and then sort of set myself apart in, in my design to, for example, I recently had a Canadian client and he hired me, me over, you know, 
lots of local, lots of local interior designers there who do mm -hmm. dental offices because he wanted to do something different. He wanted it. He wanted that the vibe in that space to be, you know, welcoming and friendly and colorful and mm -hmm. interesting. So, all, you know, all of that needed to come together for me in a way to set myself apart. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So if working with you a year or two ago would look like someone emails you or calls and then a conversation ensues and, and then a proposal goes out, what does working with you now look like? What are the options? Oh. So everything is online. So recently in the past, I started to take, um, a couple of months ago, maybe it was like three months ago, I took a course on uh, with somebody, I, I, but it was online about uh, changing your money mindset. And I realized through that course that I had some blocks around my service offerings and how I could serve my customers better because I had this block. So for, so one of their biggest problems is one of their biggest problems is not, not even knowing what their budget is going to cost for redesigning a waiting room and redesigning their office, for example. Mm -hmm. And so I went through this process of figuring that out for them, something that I had resisted, something I had resisted for a long time because whenever the, the budget came up for them, I, I would have my own issues around money come up and I, and it was unconscious. And so anyway, through this mm -hmm. course, I was helping to heal this and shift this. And so I actually created a beautiful, um, keynote presentation, you know, book booklet kind of mm -hmm. a thing that walked my customers through or leads through what the budget might look like if they redesigned, if they had a waiting room that was 150 square feet, or if they had a waiting room that was 450 square feet. And I also joined with another organization that is services. They, they do all custom uh, commercial furniture. Mm -hmm. So I was able to pull some pieces in together and create something that had real value for my, for my prospects. So much value that it has changed my business. What's so funny about this to me is, you know, we have this idea about creative people that, oh, they're just going to blow us away with their originality or we're just, you know, it's going to be so unexpected and fresh that, you know, we'll just be astonished. And sure, I, I guess that's a part of creativity. So it might seem like as you're describing this budget guide that you put together, that that would somehow work against creativity. But you have found that that's not true at all because, um, well, I feel like I'm putting words in your mouth, but <laughs> during the sales process, wh where, where are your prospects at? Where's their head at when you're talking to them about, you know, they've come to you and said, okay, I think I want to redesign my waiting room or I think I want this. They're what overwhelmed, um, freaked out, afraid, what, yes, where's their head at? all those things. So they're either super busy healthcare professionals that are working, you know, 15 hour days and they have a new practice and they want to, or, or some type of a beauty business or whatever. And they, 
they really love this idea of creating beauty and, and, and comfort in the waiting room. They see the need for that because, you know, with, with people wanting more of that, they're actually seeing that. So they're, they're feeling left behind. And so I saw that, I saw that they were feeling overwhelmed and then there's other people. So they're not the DIYers, but there's, there are then the DIYers who love being on Pinterest and who have, who are acupuncturists or chiropractors or some other type of wellness specialist. Mm -hmm. And they're spending, you know, all of their free time, you know, looking on Pinterest and they're also feeling overwhelmed. So what I finally did is I created a service for the really super busy professionals. And I created a service for the DIYers, which is like a design coaching program. Mm -hmm. And then I created an hourly, just like you need to call me. You, we need to talk about this now. Cause they also saw that, you know, speed and timing and, uh, were, were, were also a part of uh, people's stress, mm -hmm. the sense of urgency. So, I created three service offerings along with this is j literally just in the past three months, yeah. changing that it changed them with this budgeting guide that I was finally able to do. It was really beautiful and laid out. Well, I was finally able to do after working through some of my own money mindset stuff and not feel and, and really present in a way that where I felt confident, you know, and anybody who has any concerns about budget now, I can just say, Oh my gosh, here's, here's this free budget guide. And this will explain things for you in a visual way. And it has, and it's taken such a burden off of me and getting back to what you said about the, you know, the creative and, and expecting some to be wowed. I think it's important that creatives, who, whoever we are, because we're, we're doing creative things. Even software developers are creative. They're, they're very creative, actually. They're very creative. Yeah. Um, we need to have that balance of um, structure and that, you know, left and right brain. So structure and then fluidity. Mm -hmm. And I found that three years ago when I talked to you, I just had like this, I had feng shui training and I knew what, I knew, ex I knew what I wanted to create and I, and I, I had a hard time explaining that to people so that they would feel it themselves. I mean, I could see it. And so it was important for me to create structure, create the case studies, and then, and then also create this budgeting guide was kind of that piece too. And, and that, and what that, that just kind of allows this me to kind of move around within the container in the creativity piece. And then it, it also gives comfort and confidence to my prospects in what they're going to spend and how they can implement it over time. Or so, I mean, I was really stuck on, you, you would ask me quite often, Philip, what, what are their, what, okay, what are their problems? What are their problems? Mm -hmm. What are they looking for? What do they want? And it took me a while, even though I was talking to them all the time, Yeah, I, I couldn't quite get under what, what was the biggest thing until I finally did and it's interesting that it sort of coincided through this working through my, my money blocks. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really like being busy and not having the time. And then, you know, just needing some support if they're, if they want to do it themselves, but they're overwhelmed with what's out there on Pinterest and what do they buy and what's going to last and what's best to buy and all that. Is it fair to say that you, maybe you held off on putting together this guide, this budget guide that would help help your prospects oh, yeah. understand the money thing. Is it fair to say you put put that off because you were afraid 
somewhere a little bit some part of you was afraid to see the price tag of a, of a like really expensive full-on i'm nodding design yeah i'm nodding okay. because i think you know there's always that fear of like oh is this going to be too much for them or am i asking too much and really this is what it costs so it was it was you know to get a chair in a waiting room that has nice material and you want it to last for 20 years um you know, is going to be around $1,300 minimum. Mm -hmm. And that's the great price actually. And so it was my own fears around money or just my scarcity consciousness that was sort of putting that layer on it. And I think people can feel that fear. Right. And so, yes, it was just like, and also, you know, I just get overwhelmed with numbers and, you know, I'm just like not great with that. So having this really solid piece was so help. It has been so helpful. It was a huge breakthrough for me. Did you ever think you would provide coaching services? No. I mean, I, I knew that I was, I was always coaching people. I mean, I was constantly coaching them uh -huh. on colors and everything. And they'd text me freaking out about this and that and the other, but it's just so different now. Now it doesn't come from this place of desperation where they need my help. Yeah. It comes from respect and, and seeing that I provide all this value and it has nothing to do with the education I had. It, it, you know, a lot of people get hung up on, you know, having to have degrees and certif certifications and things. It, it is really about the results and the value that I provide. That's really it. It also happens to be a pretty profitable service for you to deliver. Yes. Right? Yes. Where I'm at right now, it is quite profitable and I'm so grateful and it was, it took, it took a while. It's taken mm -hmm. a while and I'm still on this journey and the more, and, and, you know, I'm, this summer was kind of slow and it was, um, and I, you know, I'm glad cause I needed some time off. I did have a few moments of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and it's just, it's fine. It's totally fine. And so I'm still, you know, of course I'm human. I'm still working, working it out. I mean, I love, but I've even, you know, my positioning statement has even, has even become more simplified than it, than it ever was. Well, it might be a good place to end our conversation today. What, do you remember what it was two, three years ago? Yeah, I'm sure you know what it is now, um, but. It was something like I help, you know, visionary healthcare providers, you know, create nurturing nurturing environments, you know, for their patients, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, kind of like that. That sounds familiar. It was very, it was very touchy feely mm -hmm. and which is, which was the training that I had and, and, and the, what I had seen, but what I hadn't seen yet without really specializing in kind of having more experience was you know, really the focus. Cause I had been working with healthcare professionals for many, many years, just mm -hmm. not as a focus was when I was able to focus on them, I was able to figure it out. I was able to figure out what their problems were. And so I was able to service them better. So now it's just, um, you know, my name is Cheryl Janice and I design premium waiting room experiences for healthcare professionals who want to double the referral business. And so there's who I, you know, simple. Mm -hmm. I design experiences, you know, 
And these experiences translate into money, these nurturing, healing, and profitable experiences. So I think there was that fear, Philip, of not not touching on the money, the money piece, the profitable mm-hmm. piece. And I needed to address that before I could, before this could really uh, be a more profitable business in, in the place that I wanted it to be. It's been so fun to see your business grow. It's been a privilege to get to be the person who can be there for you when it's, um, you know, when it's frustrating or, <laughs> you know, slow yeah. going. Thank you. But also it's, it's great to celebrate this, the results of where you are now. It's been equally beautiful and amazing for me to have you as my partner, my, my love partner and my life partner in this, um, getting a little mushy, but, um, it, it, it's been amazing being here again after three years. It's just, again, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how far I've come in this time. So thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the program. Um, some folks will be curious to see what you're up to. They may want to check out your website or get on your email list. Where would you send them? To my website, CherylJaniceDesigns.com. And if you can put that in the show notes, that would be great. I'll see what I can do about that. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you too, sweetie. Thanks for being here.